Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mid to late 30s, it's easily, easily possible. It's very, very underdiagnosed. Certainly from 40 onwards, it's always, got, I mean, it's always got to be on your radar. Any woman over the age of 45 who's having symptoms, you've got, that's got to be the number one. You know, this is the diagnosis until proven otherwise. Welcome to Honesty Box, where we find the answers to the questions you thought were off limits. Hello, I'm Alex Beard and welcome back to Honesty Box at The Balance Club, where we ask the questions that you want the answers to No judgment and no topic is off limits. As always, if you'd like to submit your own question for this series, you can do so anonymously at www.thebalance.club. Just click on the podcast option and a question box will pop up for you. Topic we're pulling out of the box this week is coping with the menopause. Now, if you're in your 30s or early 40s listening to this, you might be thinking it's years and years until this is relevant to you. But there is so much underdiagnosis and insufficient treatment of the beginnings of menopause that it's so useful to get the information now so that you know what to look out for. Honestly, I wish sometimes this podcast had video too, because so much of this conversation, I was open mouthed in astonishment. Just couldn't believe how little I knew about something that's a medical certainty for me. Chatting with us today is Dr Naomi Potter. Naomi is a specialist menopause doctor who holds the British Menopause Society Advanced Certificate in Menopause Care and also a British Menopause Society approved specialist. Naomi worked in the NHS for 16 years and as a GP with specialist interest in menopause and women's health for nine years. She now works solely as a specialist in menopause care, providing compassionate, holistic menopause management. Dr Potter uses body identical hormone therapy, a type of HRT, and in addition, she wholeheartedly endorses lifestyle measures to help with symptom control and aid wellness. So the question, it's quite an open one that we pulled out of the Honesty Box this week, and it's how to cope with the menopause. Now, if we're going to break it down first, the most basic components, when we speak about menopause, what are we talking about? The most... I suppose the menopause is a state of estrogen deficiency. So as we get older, normally in your 40s, uh, the ovaries become less good at producing estrogen uh, or they or it goes in fits and starts. So, you're, you know, they'll go quiet for a bit and then they'll spring back to life for a bit and then go quiet for a bit and spring back to life for a bit. And the symptoms that you experience and the concept of the kind of perimenopause and menopause is that state Um, of either very fluctuating hormone levels or just a a hormone deficiency and that's why that's why 
you get this kind of myriad of, of symptoms because your organs are responding to that, that new low estrogen level. And let's talk about the myriad of symptoms. There's ones that get highly publicised, obviously, but let, what happens to a woman's body? So because there are estrogen receptors everywhere, every organ system has the potential to respond to a lack of estrogen. Estrogen is a very metabolic hormone and um, it's how, how it affects every woman is, is completely different. Like no two women are the same. And also over time, things can change. So you may begin with no symptoms and then develop some symptoms and then those symptoms can shift to something else and come and go. And that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons why it is, it's so confusing. Um, but literally, because you have, you know, estrogen receptors everywhere, they, the symptoms can be from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. It can be things like hair loss, uh, dry eyes, tinnitus, mouth symptoms, so burning tongue, dry mouth, palpitations, chest pain, abdominal upset, bloating, Periods changing, getting more more frequent, less frequent, heavier, lighter, vaginal symptoms, your face, urinary symptoms, um, muscle muscle pains, joint pains, weight gain, hot flushes, night sweats, libido issues, uh, mood changes, um, worsening PMS, which is which is a particular one that um, that goes unnoticed as a kind of menopause symptom tearfulness um i mean yeah i mean it doesn't sound doesn't sound great does it i suppose the reason for highlighting all of them is so that is so that people don't go unnoticed or undiagnosed so off some women just sail through it and others might just have the odd symptom but it's the one it's it's especially the ones with the less commonly recognized symptoms that that get lost and they end up you know, being extensively investigated by cardiologists and rheumatologists and psychiatrists, and um, and if somebody would just think, oh, but could that be the menopause? Then it's so easily treatable. But if women have been going through this forever, and you know, roughly fifty percent of the population are women, how is it not more widely known that the symptoms could be any of these things? I think that's a really good question. I think firstly, um, we probably didn't used to live long enough for us to experience it. You know, hundreds of years ago, we really only lived to our early 40s or even or even younger. Um, more recently, women's health has historically not been well discussed. It's been very, very taboo. And with the with the patriarchy in medicine, um, a, a lot of the time it's just nobody's thought to look into it, nobody's thought to identify it, and um, and then you know, looking for looking for evidence behind it has just has not been has it's just not been done. So um, I think that's probably the main reasons. I think the taboo is is probably one of the biggest. Like it was just known as the change, wasn't it? In the you know in the forties and fifties, and it was just something that women just sucked up and got on with and. And then however they ended up the other side was the new them. Whether that was, you know, well, all sorts of extremes can happen. But um, I think that's probably the reason. Because the question is how to cope. And is it a case of coping? I think some, so some women don't have to cope with anything because they just, they just sail through it. 
and others I think you don't have to live with it so you haven't got to cope with it because there are so many things that you that you can do and there's all sorts of things that you can do as you know by yourself in terms of lifestyle modifications and it sounds really almost kind of cliched and a bit corny saying oh you know you must exercise and you must eat your vegetables and all that kind of stuff but actually it does work it really really it really does work if you look after yourself it has a massive impact um, on symptoms so you're not talking you're not talking about weight there you're talking about a bigger holistic absolutely I'm talking about um, exercise um, a well-balanced diet sleep alcohol avoidance caffeine avoidance or a vitamin getting enough vitamin d all of those things in in themselves are really important so weight weight certainly you know um helps so reducing weight to a healthy weight if you are overweight can have an impact um but no i mean as a you know as a whole lifestyle um modification because we cannot get away with what we used to do in our 20s and 30s and expect to feel fine in our 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s it just and 80s and 90s <laughs> So that's something that you can do for yourself. Obviously, there are other things to help you with symptoms. HRT being the one that, you know, most people know about. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and and if it works, how it works? So HRT is it stands for hormone replacement therapy and the big the, the kind of the main hormone that we replace with HRT is estrogen. Um, and the it, it got a, a huge amount of bad press about 20 years ago and the most recent evidence is that the bad press that it received was unjustified that the studies it was based on were deeply flawed and the most recent evidence suggests that it is very safe and actually can be used for its health advantages um, so there's all sorts of different preparations and kind of ways of ways of giving it, but that's the mainstay of treatment in women who can have HRT or, and who want HRT. And it's it's very very good, and it can completely eliminate symptoms. Um, and as well as that, it's got its health advantages. So it's very good for bone protection, for brain protection, cardiovascular protection, because um, tissues generally like being estrogenized; they perform better when there's estrogen around than when there isn't so it it does work and and in other in other women who can't have hrt for reasons such as you know they've got breast cancer that kind of thing there are other more targeted treatments that they can um that they can use certain medications for certain symptoms um complementary therapies so there's there's a there is a huge raft of tools but it's navigating there's there's a lot of nonsense out there and it's it's kind of understanding how to how to navigate that and work out what is evidence-based and is going to work for you and is what is right for you because no two women are the same everybody has their own different ideas about what risk they're prepared to take and what they're not prepared to take and you know what what route they want to go down in your experience are women do women find it easier to get the therapies that they need to handle or go through menopause as well as they can that's that's the that's the kind of million dollar question really and I think that's what we are trying to change as a menopause community um, because one of the problems is that there is very little um, there's very little training for GP or practically no training for GPs um, it's certainly not a subject that's covered in medical school really not covered in medical school. Didn't cover it in medical school, no. So, so um, 
you know, all my cohort of, G, of, of GPs and doctors didn't, didn't cover menopause in medical school, no. That's wild to me. Maybe I'm just being particularly ignorant, but if it's something that every single woman of a certain age is going to go through. It's, I, think they're change, I think they are changing the curriculum and it's certainly now being taught at school. So I think it is, fil- it is filtering through. But a lot of, I mean, a lot of doctors, especially the, the kind of generation of doctors above me, um, they were training when, the, when we were taught that HRT was terrible and HRT gave you breast cancer and heart disease and strokes. And um, it's still, that, that myth is still perpetuated as, as well as being within the patient community amongst the medical community because it's just not seen as being important. It's just not, it's not seen as being, um, you know, a, a kind of valued thing to, to learn about and to be able to treat. It is amazing. It really is unbelievable. And that must be quite scary for women who get to that point in their life, finding that they're having to advocate for themselves in a world that they perhaps, well, why would you if you're not taught it at school and you suddenly find yourself in this situation, having to advocate for something that you don't know masses about and are hoping that your your medical professional will. And also when you are in a position where you feel particularly vulnerable, you know, you can have, especially with, if you've got the kind of mental health symptoms um, and then you go along and you're dismissed it's 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 a it's a big problem it's it is improving i think i think it is improving but it is a it is a big problem and i have a lot of a lot of patients that come to me have you know come saying well my gp won't give me anything more than suggesting evening primrose oil or they won't give me this because they think it's going to give me breast cancer or i've been on it for five years and they're taking me off it and you know all of those kind of reason so basically the women cannot access the care that they need from their gps for and you know all of those different reasons and even from gynecologists who are surgeons um but they don't they don't have a huge amount of um of menopause training unless they elect to to do it it's not a it's not a kind of core curriculum um subject that they go into in huge in huge detail you touched on it just then slightly about the mental health symptoms of menopause. Are you able to expand on that a little? I think they are the most distressing symptoms. They range from th- so things like anxiety, depression, insomnia, um, anger, rage, irritability, um, kind of yeah just people just um, brain fog difficulty with concentration a lot of women think that they're either dementing or um or you know losing their minds and 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 um there's you know a lot of misdiagnosis with early onset dementia and misdiagnosing um you know clinical depression and anxiety disorder in these women who are i mean not always but are sometimes just estrogen deficient and if you replace their estrogen they go back to being normal, you know, feeling feeling well again. It's mad. So people who, I guess we should talk about age here, and I know it's a real spectrum, but at what age should women start to be aware of themselves in, in that framework of these symptoms that might not initially hit you as being menopause, but at what age should you start thinking perhaps this could be? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So it is hard because you can become menopausal in your teens. And um, the cohort of women, especially under the age of 30, who um, go into the menopause are often completely lost. Terrible delayed diagnoses. And they're the ones who it's the most important to diagnose because they really need big doses of HRT. Um, But talking more generally, any woman over the age of 45 who's having symptoms, that's got to be the number one. You know, this is the diagnosis until proven otherwise. Certainly from 40 onwards, it's always got, I mean, it's always got to be on your radar, but certainly from 40, but even in your, you know, mid to late thirties, it's easily, easily possible. Um, and then kind of younger than that, it'll be less likely, but it's, um, it's very, very underdiagnosed. And this might be a really stupid question, Naomi, but how long does menopause take to be done? <laughs> That's what everyone wants. Everyone wants the answer to that question, <laughs> but it doesn't, it, you don't go through it, you go into it. So you go from having estrogen to not having estrogen and the turbulent time of kind of as you're losing your estrogen is um, is just so variable. I could, you can't re- you can't really say, to be honest, it's, it's just it's impossible. Um, I mean, most women, most women are, through, are, are kind of into it through into it by the, the age of about 55. But, you know, you, may ha- you might have one 55-year-old woman who's only had symptoms for a year, whereas you might have another one who's had symptoms for 10 years, or you might have another one who's had no symptoms at all and just all of a sudden their periods just stop and that's it. And so out the other side of it, once it's, you know, you've, you've reached a plateau and, and your oestrogen is, is no more and there are no more of these spikes and this uncertainty, what does that look like for a woman? It, it really depends. So you um, you can have some women who are absolutely fine. They don't notice it at all. They feel very well, often free. So free of, you know, free of symptoms that they may have had when they've been having cycles, free of the need for contraception, um, and generally just, you know, free of small children, just kind of generally liberated. And you might have others who are, who struggle a lot with symptoms. And um, it just, again, it just varies. There's no, it's menopause is, is um, there's no hard and fast rules with any of it. Not with the, not with the um, medication, not with how women go through it. It's, it's, um, it's so variable. It seems strange then that, and I, and I realise I'm, I'm, t- I'm preaching to the choir here. This is, this is very much what you speak about in, in all the work that you do, but that women only speak about this when they're at it this isn't something that's part of the conversation for women until they're of a certain age and I guess similarly with periods you know girls are only spoken about it in their teenage years when it might be about to happen should this conversation be tabled much younger well I think so 
I mean, we just got we just got a um, a letter through from my so my girls are eight from their school where they are not going to learn about periods until so um, until they're ten. Well, I just think that's you know that's just ridiculous because half you know you know a significant proportion of them may be just about to start or will have already started. And it's just it's just all too late, and I just wonder whether it's it's still this kind of embarrassment factor, slightly taboo factor, and you know we're not going to talk about it until we absolutely have to. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's madness. They they just it's quite hard for me to kind of comment because my lot are just used to having yeah. coffee table books and Instagram <laughs> pictures of all sorts, and um, so it's it's hard for me to be kind of completely objective. And I know that you know there might be another camp of of women who are like, well, you know, we must keep them young for as long as possible and don't. But actually, if I don't think anybody's frightened of anything they know the truth about. It's when it's it's when it's hushed up that you know myths start and whispers in the playground and I, that's my that's my view on it. And for women who are sort of thinking, well, in the next five ten years, I might become like moving into that age category where those symptoms could be down to starting the menopause. Is there anything that women could be doing beforehand that might help ease that transition into menopause, perimenopause? <laughs> I think certainly awareness. So everybody needs a menopause radar, doctors and women and men, you know, just so that they can recognise it in in their, you know, their friends, their partners, their sisters, their daughters, their mothers, every, everybody. Um, and I suppose being physically in, in good shape helps. So if you go into your 40s and 50s in, a, in an active, basically being active, then you are more likely to do to 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 suffer less, I think, or you are able to to use those tools faster and faster initially. So rather than having to react, it's already part of your part of your lifestyle. And and al- alcohol, especially, is just having that having that sense of awareness around it. And and I think especially with COVID and lockdown and things, um, life not being so easy. Uh, a lot of women come have come to me in the last year or so very much medicating with alcohol because they've got their menopause to deal with and covid to deal with and homeschooling to do you know all of those things together and it just makes things so much worse uh, so maybe just kind of taking stock in your early 40s and thinking right where am i with this relationship with alcohol and just cutting back and being being more aware really so why is it that alcohol doesn't mix with the menopause then um, so when you so if you're feeling so if you're feeling very anxious, then alcohol is a very effective way of removing that anxiety very quickly. But what happens then is that you don't then you don't sleep properly, you dehydrate, you um, you then wake up in the morning probably with a hangover, feeling dehydrated and tired, and you get a rebound um, low blood sugar and a rebound anxiety that then gets worse throughout the day. And then by the time you get to the evening, that anxiety is crept back in, and so you reach for it again. You end up in a in a in a vicious cycle. Um, there's also the kind of hangover effect, which seems to get worse. I don't know the biochemical reason why, but um, it it does, and it just all see it kind of feeds in. It's like whenever you're using a drug inappropriately, um, it all, everything just tends to unravel. Um, but alcohol seems to be because it's I think partly because it's so kind of culturally acceptable in in the UK it's it tends to be what people people reach for first and if they were only 
medicated appropriately, then it, you know you wouldn't fall into that into that um, into that trap. We've spoken quite a lot about the kind of internal changes. What about external changes that the menopause can can create? That's probably the second most distressing side. Um, so when you lose your when you lose your estrogen, if you lose it kind of rapidly in your forties and fifties, then you your hair and your skin and your subcutaneous kind of structure changes can change very quickly. So hair can lose its thickness and its luster and can become very dry and brittle and fall out. Um, your fat is redistributed so rather than it being under your arms and legs and under the skin in your face it is redistributed to to being central and that can have a knock-on effect on how you appear you know what your face looks like um your bone structure can change as you, you know as your bones remodeled you can lose collagen your skin can become dry and gosh this sounds very doom and gloom doesn't it <laughs> Sorry, we should say worst case scenario all at once you're making it sound like it's overnight but it's not there <laughs> And that's and so that's another thing, you know, what prompts what prompts women to kind of seek help is that I feel like, you know, I feel like I've aged overnight is is really common. And and men don't have that to the same degree. They have a kind of general they age in a in a much more general way, whereas women can, you know, literally fall off cliff kind of thing. Um and it's because, like I said, tissues like estrogen, everything, you know, all of your you know, skin, your collagen, your all of those matrices like estrogen to work optimally. And without it, it, it does show. So does the HRT, for example, help counterbalance that? Or is that just that's just a natural path all women are going to go down? definitely helps it helps um, with skin and hair quality it helps with um, elasticity with collagen retention with with um, keeping your keeping your fat in a in a pre-menopausal distribution you can't reverse aging with it we will all let we know we all age but it can definitely kind of shift you into um, a less kind of fall off a cliff type aging aging pattern that doesn't happen to everybody you know you can see some you see some older women who've been through the menopause without hrt looking fabulous this is huge generalization yeah but um it, but that is what can, what can happen and so there are women who can go through menopause without support without needing support it's, it's not fair it's really not fair how some women just kind of get away but i suppose it's the same with everything you know some women sail through childbirth without you know, without a problem and others have the most awful time. So same with pregnancies, same with periods, same, it's, um, it's just a bit of a lottery. Given everything that you do in this world, what's the biggest myth that you come up against time and time again, that you'd like to take the opportunity once for all, just to kind of put that straight, bust it, so to speak? So, you know, you're too old for HRT, you're too young for HRT, you can't have HRT because your gran had breast, you know, family history of breast cancer, um, you can't have HRT because you're, you've still got periods, you can't have HRT because you haven't got periods, um, you, and then there's all sorts of kind of, of, of health um, issues, so high blood pressure, being overweight, um, um, other breast issues, fibroids, endometriosis, all of those things you can have HRT with. Um, it's not very often, kind of turning it on its head, it's not very often that you can't have HRT, really. Um, breast cancer is is one reason, um, and even then, there's no kind of hard and fast rules. Um, but it's it's really not very often, if, if a woman wants it. 
So if women feel like they're they're not getting the treatment that they they could have from from their main care provider, where would you suggest women go? Where's where's where can women go to get a slightly more straight answer if they feel they're not getting that? Well, most G, most GP practices have more than one doctor, and it's definitely worth shopping around within your practice. And there's often a women's health lead, and they are sometimes the right person, not always, but sometimes the right person to go to. And there's often, if you've got a a bigger practice and it's a training practice, there's often a GP registrar there who tend to be, uh, they tend to have longer, so they tend to have a longer appointment time, but also they do tend to be quite enthusiastic and wanting to learn and wanting to give you up-to-date evidence-based information. So I would always suggest going to them first. And if you're really not getting where you, where you, where you want, then I would ask your GP for a referral. Um, and there's there's a, a website called you know, the British Menopause Society website, which has got a list of um, all the menopause clinics in the whole of the UK. And you can tick a box um, that says private or NHS. And so if you wanted an NHS referral, you can, you can pick where you want to go. Um, or if you wanted a private referral, you can normally self-refer. And the NHS clinics, have they are around and, and they're very good. They have been a bit overwhelmed with COVID and they've lost quite a lot of their funding, but they do still, a lot of them do still run. And you may have to wait, but there is a, there is a free um, NHS service um, to most, not all of the country, but to most of the country. Thank you so much, Naomi. I can't believe how much I didn't know. And I'm sure everyone listening will be able to take something away from them with this chat. As always, thank you for listening. And we'll see you back here next week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 